Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Fit Aid Podcast with me, Dion Sacconi Fraser. I am your social media marketing manager here at LifeAid. And if you would, if you could, if you're new here, if you're a longtime listener, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to this Stitcher Radio, Public Radio, I don't know, other slash name radio. It would mean a lot to me, it would mean a lot to us, and I love you forever and ever. Our guest on the podcast today, we've got Fit Ed athlete, CrossFit Games athlete, Alexis Johnson. We dive deep into her battle with uh, anorexia, her food stories, stories of food, um, and some interesting stories that she tells about like making it to regionals, still battling internally with uh, this anorexia, and uh, I find very fascinating interesting story of the morning of her first regionals uh and some and a story about mustard packets i know it sounds strange but uh it's there <laughs> um but before we get into that if you don't know now you know fit Aid energy is available at vitamin shop and if you're a gold gym member you've got fit Aid energy ready to go cold cans in hand ready to go so if uh, you're a gold gym member you've got fit Aid energy there and if you've got a vitamin shop near you, just pop on over, get yourself some Fit Aid Energy uh, at all nationwide locations there. Uh, we're super excited to be in both locations, uh, super excited to just be in that mix. So it's a big deal for us. So pop on over, get yourself some energy. Uh, but without further ado, we've got for you, Alexis Johnson. CrossFit Games athlete, Fit Aid athlete. Alexis Johnson, how are you today? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm very good. Living the American dream, whatever that looks like in everyone's perspective. But I'm here. I made it. <laughs> but um, so I wanted to get you on specifically um, because, you know, you've, you've had such a, a, an interesting career within CrossFit and outside of that. Um, but for me, I guess we'll just dive right into it. Like, you and your belling of your your eating disorder is something that I found it sounds weird when I say fascinating but fascinating because it was it was something that you within one year you managed to not overcome but kind of just like uh, is overcoming like the right word to even say because I feel like it's something that's with you but you know how to manage and you know how to move on is that like a weird thing to say yeah, um, overcome is a strong word. I think an eating disorder will be something that's always a small part of me. But but yes, um, within a year, I was at least able to be well on my journey to um, overcoming the eating disorder, or at least you know gaining more control out of my life, getting more freedom back, kind of breaking away from that eating disorder. So. And so, like, I know, like, obviously, I don't know, but a year seems like a quick time to, again. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, like, so, over. So I can explain. <laughs> All right. So um, I, it's a little bit weird because my eating disorder was never, um, it never stemmed from body image issues, which is really pretty unique. But for me, an eating disorder was all about control. I am, and I'm gonna say this in a bit of a joking matter, but it's 100% true. 
I'm an all or nothing person. So when I looked to control my food, I did it all the way. Um, when I liked math, I went and got a PhD. I liked exercise. I wanted to do it all the way. I wanted to go to the game, right? There isn't really a meat in the middle. Like, that doesn't make me happy. That's not where I thrive. I don't thrive on this middle ground and balance. I kind of want to because it looks really nice. <laughs> um, but for me, I get my satisfaction and I, I thrive off of just pure dedication, pure structure, pure control. So um, I did gymnastics my whole life. And this is how I got into my eating disorder was I lived in the gym working day after day to get skills. Like that was a huge focus of mine is like, I wanted to get some new skill every day. I was physically working towards something. I was actually also very dedicated to school. Um, so I lived those two things and those were my whole life. And I had no problem with it. I never once was like, I never once went through that phase where it's like, man, I just wish I was a normal kid. Like, no, I was completely happy. Um, and then my body started to hurt quite a bit. So when I went to college, I'm like, I'm never stepping foot in a gym again. And I didn't for two years. Um, I think once it was all you can eat pasta day and at the, at the, at the uh, cafeteria. And I told my roommate or I guess someone down the hall that I wanted to go to all you can eat pasta day. And she's like, all right, but first we have to go to the gym. And I'm like, I don't go to the gym. She's like, we have to get a hundred calories in the elliptical. And I'm like, okay, whatever, fine. If you're going to go to all you can eat pasta with me. And I went and I got to like 86 cows and I was like, peace. I'll see you there. <laughs> and I went to go get pasta. Like no, no part of me cared. I didn't care about my body image. I honestly have been pretty good genetics. Like it's not, it's never been an issue for me. Um, and then all of a sudden it was like, brought to my attention that I eat like garbage. Like I ate like a garbage can and I did like all you can eat pasta was not just like a one-time thing for me. <laughs> and, you know, um, cinnamon rolls were a staple of my breakfast diet. Um, I never ate eggs or any vegetables. I truly ate terribly, um, which was fine. Like it really never was truly negative on my body image, but, and for like me physically, but at one point it was like, Hey, you know, it probably isn't the healthiest. And I was like, whoa, you're right. Like maybe I should start uh, eating healthier. And me being the all you or nothing person was like, I'm going to do everything in my power to eat healthier. That means drink a glass of water before every meal. That means fill most of my plate with veggies. That means, um, you know, after a meal, make sure I do like a go for a run or go for a walk. Um, so following every single diet tip and trick out there. And sure enough, like, Sooner or later, um, I was in this mode where I was like counting every calorie and starting to restrict every calorie that I could. And it, this was a vicious cycle downward. Um, so I can go on after, yeah, after I mean, a it's, while. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's interesting you mentioned like calorie counting. Like for me, <laughs> so right now, I like, I go on and off in terms of calorie counting and I know like I'll follow it to a T, like in terms of calorie counting, I'll follow it. I'll look at my macros and be like, okay, that's not enough of this. I need to be, you know, I have to have more of that. And it started mm -hmm. becoming like so obsessive for me. Like I'm, I just stopped, yeah. stopped. I just stopped counting calories like two weeks ago. And it was because I had a real, like come to Jesus talk with uh, a, a colleague of ours here in Fidade. 
And she was like, you know, I was counting calories. I was losing weight, but I was never happy. I never felt good. And I was like, interesting because you say that and I'm there right now. So I'm like, okay, maybe there's something like to that. So I just started like not caring about my calorie intake, like just being more mindful of what I was eating and like knowing what I was putting into my body, you know, and just having some sort of structure when it was time to work out. But like, I would still track my workouts in in terms of like having this garment on my wrist. But even my wife who was uh, training for the Olympics and she went through having an eating disorder herself. And she even said to me, Hey man, that's some real eating disorder stuff that you're doing. I'm like, really, really? So I, I, I switched it up immediately. And I was like, I, I didn't want that, you know, and like, yeah. And again, having you on the show, that's, I wanted to talk to you about this because it's the same stuff that I'm going through, but luckily enough, like you as, you know, I don't want to say an example, but you as like this real, and like, I'm not meant to be kissing your ass, but like a role model, like for the overall fitness community, not just within CrossFit, like overall fitness community, you know, and I think, uh, you know, you're a shining example of, of, you know, how to, again, over, over, overcome uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, like what happened then is that like other things in my life kind of went out of control. Like I had some issues within the family and I was living on my own up at college and slowly, but surely the only thing that I felt I could control was this food intake. And so this was my way of like, I completely, this is exactly how I'm going to live. And then slowly, but surely that I, where I like got this bit of a high off of having control. Like I skipped a breakfast and I felt good. Like I had Mm. control over that. Like Mm. that made me, or I was, I stopped eating halfway through my lunch because I would just decided that was enough. And that gave me this like adrenaline rush, which is Mm. crazy, but it just, that's control issue. And then, um, it spiraled. And soon enough, I was making choices to this. I was saying I was denying going out with friends because I was afraid that there, I wouldn't be able to control my food there. I remember a huge turning point was for me, I was, someone in my family died. And the first thing I ever thought was, man, like, am I, is there going to be food at the funeral? Am I going to have to like, are they going to have to watch me eat at the funeral? Wow. What a freaking selfish thought. Like mm. how off was it? It made me sick that that was what I was thinking. And I couldn't escape that thought. Mm. I couldn't over the grief. I was thinking about myself and controlling food. That's just a terrible thing. And so like, it's turning points like that, that when I was this, like that when I was deciding, I really wanted to like get over my eating disorder, my eating disorder. That's what I had to focus on was like, how these choices, like I couldn't go out living the rest of my life that way. That wasn't a way that I wanted to die. That's not how I want to be remembered. This selfish person who all I thought about was my food. And it was not, I didn't enjoy my life. Like you were saying, like it, it comes to a point where like, it takes the joy out of things. And I couldn't enjoy things I used to enjoy. And I just wanted to, I kept repeating to myself, I just want to be normal. I want to be able to say, yes, I, I'll go out to eat without having all of this anxiety built up inside of me. I wanted to go be able to go to the gym. I want to be able to like have energy to do things. Yeah. I didn't have energy. And like, to be honest, it scares me when people count their macros in the gym. It's okay. Like some people can drink alcohol and it's okay. Mm-hmm. Some people can do recreationally do drugs and they're yeah. okay. 
I'm not one of those people. And there are plenty of people in CrossFit that also aren't those people who, once they start doing something, they thrive off of that, like putting everything into it. And it scares me when people count their macros and they've counted for 300 plus days in a row. And it's like, Hey, what if I told you to stop counting? Would that give you anxiety? Like, that's the question you need to ask yourself. Yeah. And And for for me, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) it doesn't have to be a thing that's unhealthy. Like people have unhealthy relationships with exercise as well, even though it's a healthy thing, Mm -hmm. you can have an unhealthy relationship with counting your macros, even though you're counting. And I hear this all the time because I want to make sure I'm eating enough. People say that. (laughs) And it's like, sure. But is it a mentally healthy thing? For me, it never will be. Yeah, for real. And like going back to what you were saying about, you know, uh, wanting to go out and having those self, self, uh, selfish thoughts, you know, at this funeral, is there going to be enough like food wise there, you know, not having the ability to go out with your friends and not having to think about, you know, will this deviate from whatever plan that is or will it, you know, imp- how will this impact me? I just had that uh, like a, a month ago where you know obviously leading up to here having some realizations but a month ago i was like out with my son and we're at our favorite ice cream spot and i was like i can't have ice cream because it's like i'll have to track that and i can't be bothered tracking that and it's like why like my son wants to enjoy like a nice vanilla ice cream cone and i'm gonna be an asshole and gonna be like no son it doesn't fit into my (laughs) you know what i mean so like it became like this really weird i can't even have fun with my son you know yes so. And it's like, look, around, look around. We are some of the healthiest people. If we decide to have one ice cream, what do you do? Like, yeah. who cares? It's really not going to matter. There are plenty of other people who have that one ice cream every day. And guess what? It really doesn't affect them either. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, we have this, we have this thing that's like, no, but if I have one, no, that's going to totally throw me off track. I can't even have one. I'm really special. No, <laughs> we're not special. We're pretty normal too. But like, that's again, like that selfish thing. Like I started thinking I was this specially built human who had to follow this strict regimen. Otherwise I was off the rails and something terrible was going to happen. Right. No, I'm just like everyone else. I can have an ice cream and guess what? Tomorrow it's not going to matter. And especially mm-hmm. three years from now, it's not going to matter. All that's going to matter is that you know, your son remembered this moment where he went out and you guys got ice cream. Yeah. That's the only thing that's going to stick around. Not the extra, let's say it was, let's say it was an extra 3000 calories. <laughs> Guess what? Three years from now, it's not going to matter. And it's not yeah. 3000 calories anyways. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. I mean, you again, you're saying things that like, in my mind that I've been going through recently, just like, I'm, it's an unhealthy habit and like just tracking everything to the to the t and like almost yeah. celebrating when i'm in a calorie deficit but i know i haven't eaten enough throughout that day but i'm like celebrating that deficit you know what i mean like and i'll yeah. step on the scale and i'm like oh yeah done it boom you know mm-hmm. lost however whatever that number is and you know <laughs> and i've been like I, I following you on social and like you made that post a, a while ago now about your journey. It was like a three-part post and I read it and I still read it like as a reminder to go back. Like I keep it in my saved, I don't, I'm admitting this right now, but like I keep it in my, <laughs> in my personal save to like, if I ever have those moments of like, you know, you're being a little crazy, I'll go back and like read that. Like I'll properly sit down and I'll properly read it. 
and being like okay like this is what alexis went through like this is what you're kind of going through right now dude like you need a like you need to have a real real deep internal talk with yourself and with my wife like i always talk to my wife about everything mm-hmm. but um but yeah I like i keep that saved <laughs> I love that. That's so amazing. Yeah. And like, you know, it's hard to write those because like, it's pretty personal. Um, you know, and there are things I haven't necessarily shared that I've shared with people. And Mm. I think like there, there are some like weird things that we do when we, when we have eating disorders and like to, to explain how much it took over my mind. Like at one point I got to the (laughs) I'm going to say this to everyone in the world right now. Um, It got to the point where like, I did the weirdest shit, like just in, in control my food or to control how my body was feeling. I used to eat mustard packets because it would make me feel full. Mustard has zero calories for the record. So yes, I'm giving a diet tick trip and tip to everyone. No, don't do this. This is terrible. But it goes to show how crazy I was is like, if I was hungry, and I didn't think I needed to be hungry or it didn't fit like a normal time that I would have eaten or something like that. I would eat a mustard packet or two or maybe three because it would give my stomach the sour, sick-like feeling or this full-like feeling uncomfortable. Wow. It's so weird. Like the stuff that we do to have like this extra control, it's like, no, you were hungry. Just eat something. Yeah. yeah. Like even you was telling you. Yeah. Even the wording that you just used then, like, that you didn't want to be hungry not that the fact that your but you were hungry mm-hmm. you didn't want to be hungry so it was just like that even that like it's just such yes. a weird wording behind that yeah like like well would you say that about anything else like oh no i really didn't want to pee then so yeah. <laughs> like or you know these other bodily functions like no i really just i didn't want to breathe yeah so <laughs> i feel I, like breathing and it's just I did this thing so that I wouldn't have to breathe yeah it just wasn't my thing then like I just didn't want to do it no like what the heck it's like it it so messed up yeah and so like I always I hate not telling the rest of it in that like there is hope for like because I was to the point where I thought I'd never escape it like I wanted to escape it so bad I hated who I'd become I didn't like the look of myself. I was so skinny. I looked sickly. I looked like a cancer patient. Like Mm. I would go anywhere and people would just stare at me. And I also have this build that's like, I mean, y'all have seen me. I'm built like a V. Like I'm big. Like my torso is huge. I wore, when I was anorexic, I wore like, I couldn't even fit in a size 12 kids jeans. Wow. But when I got fitted for a wedding, I was still a size. I would, they were almost put me in like the supersized dresses, whatever those are. Like I was a size 12 women's dress because it had to fit around my torso. Like, right. Even when I was anorexic, like my rib cage is just huge. And so I'm just <laughs> built like that. So like walking around, I looked really weird because I was super skinny. I could fit like my hands around my thighs with room. Whoa. Yet like I have this huge torso and this belly that still sticks out because your organs have to go somewhere. Yeah. So like I looked funny. And so like people would stare or like, you know, I would still get comments like, are you pregnant? Like, like, shit, like, think something messes with someone who's anorexic? A comment like that definitely does. Oh, yeah. Um, But like, it was just, that's just me. Like, those are my organs, like my spleen, my, <laughs> that's just got to go somewhere. My liver. <laughs> <laughs> 
just lives right there. <laughs> so like, it's, you know, whatever. But um, I didn't like how I looked. I didn't like the looks I was getting. I didn't like how I was treating people. I treated my family like crap. Mm-hmm. You know, I was always talking back because I was irritable. I was hungry. Mm-hmm. Like I was hangry all the time. And I hated being that person. So, um, you know, I went to Budapest, Hungary, and I studied abroad for seven months. And I didn't experience a fucking thing. Excuse my language. But no way. I, I just basically stayed in my apartment the entire time because I wanted so much control over my food and stuff. Like, I didn't experience their cuisine. I think I ate out on the, I, um, I could count my hands like five times in seven months or something like that. Like, it's absolutely ridiculous. It is. I have so many regrets over that stuff, like experiences mm. I could have had. Um, and I came back from that trip and that together with the funeral, together with how I treated my parents, together with all this stuff, I was like, it's time to change. Like, Alexis, get over it. Like, mm-hmm. get control over your life. And on January 13th, 2013 is the day I said, you're going to join a CrossFit gym. You are going to always accept any invitation to eat out. It doesn't matter unless the, I don't care what you have planned afterwards, unless it's another plan to go eat out with friends, you are going out to eat with that person who asked you to eat out. You are, you know, all of these things. It was like, you can never say no. It's these strict boundaries of like, you're going to do this stuff. And every time you're not going to be able to, you can't go to the gym unless you eat a full meal. And because I, previously had tried because I wanted to be part of a CrossFit community. It excited me. Like I love the, the idea of working towards getting stronger. I love the community. I love these things, but I wasn't eating enough to support it. Like I would go row a 250 and be so tired because I was eating like 400 calories a day. So I was like, I set those strict guidelines. And from then on out, I did whatever I could to like follow through with those. Um, I mean, I can't name a time in my life where I had higher anxiety. <laughs> Every day was a battle. Every day was like, I do not want to eat this. I do not want to say yes to you. When, you know, my heart would start pounding when I'm like, yes, I'll go. Like, I really don't want to go. No, part of me wants to go, but I'll go. Um, you know, it, it was awful. It was a terrible year. Like even leading up to regionals, I remember forcing breakfast down when I qualified for regionals and we were at regionals. All I could think of was controlling my food. And I'm, all I should have been thinking about was fueling myself for those workouts. Wow. So it wasn't, it was not, that was a year and two months later. Like it was not a fast process. Uh, I struggled for a long time. Um, But in the end, like slowly but surely, I think it was a year and a half later was the first day that I went to bed and I remember laying in bed and saying, whoa, I can't remember every calorie I put in my body <laughs> for five years. I could, I could tell you from down to like walking by a, a, a jar of like there before COVID, like they had jars of candy sitting on mm-hmm. the, like you could like grab an, an yep. M&M or something out of a jar where everyone put their hands and could like <laughs> cough and, and things like that. <laughs> this was a thing. Yeah. Um, I remember like, I would sometimes like grab one and only eat half of it and like throw the other half away. But I could, I remember doing this and like at night I would have counted that half m and Like I was that strict. I remember the first day, a year and a half after, like I was after year and a half after January 13th, when I was like laying in bed and I'm like, wow, I can't remember every small calorie I put in. This was a huge win for me. 
and and you know it's crazy is that you know going back to what you're saying about you know saying yes to every invitation that you have to go out <laughs> after class that in itself from where you came from to where you were in those in that moment specifically that takes a lot of like mental and my and mental and like even emotional power you know like to say yeah i'll come out with you let's go to wherever the restaurant is but going mm-hmm. from saying that to where you were like however long ago it was man that's that's a huge yeah. switch and like yeah. he- hearing that you were forcing down breakfast on the morning of regionals is that what is that what you said and that was mm-hmm. a year and however long it was later yeah i mean i know i said it was like a, a quick you know recovery but man that's that's scary to even think that like your body was just you, your mind was like no but you you knew also that you needed this fuel to like get you to go like get you to yeah. regionals like to get you ready mm-hmm. man that's 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 scary yeah that's scary and the other part that scares me when I talk to people is like for me an eating disorder and for most people an eating disorder is all about control and I think that in order to actually truly heal from eating disorder it's about giving up that control it's not about switching that control into counting macros because there are many people who are like Hey, I'm going from restricting my food to counting my macros to make sure I get everything in. That's still about control. If you ask me, mm-hmm. for me, I can't speak to everyone else, but for me, that wouldn't have been healing. That would have been the opposite of healing. It would have been just, you know, a switch. It's still about control. It's a little bit more healthy, but it's still about control in that sense. Yeah. Um, and I'll be honest, my first relationship with CrossFit was not a healthy one. It's much easier to switch what you control than it is to completely give up all control. Like for me, I was like, the reason I was eating meals was because I went to the gym and it was to fuel myself in the gym. So on days that I would eat a meal and I couldn't go to the gym, like that freaked me out because, you know, I had now, I was now obsessed with the gym. I was now obsessed with putting in that time at the gym. So I remember showing up to the gym one day and I was expecting it to be open and the doors were locked. And I remember running around the gym and like, I was like, oh, wait, there's a neighbor that has a key. And I remember going over to his house and pounding on his door. Like, you gotta let me into the gym. What the fuck? Like, I'm a lunatic. Like, like I'm having this anxiety attack about not getting into the gym. What the hell is wrong with you? Damn. I'm sure that's what he was thinking. Um, so, and yes, like at this point in my life, I guess- I've been forced to relinquish control in the gym and that's forced through an Achilles tear. Mm -hmm. And, um, that forced me to take time off and actually truly achieve what I would call balance and health mentally. Um, I realized, guess what? If you don't control what you eat and you don't go to the gym, everything is just fine. The world keeps spinning and you're still happy. Yeah. And, um, it was a good place for me. And I am in the last two and a half years, the healthiest mentally that I've ever been. And I feel the most normal I've ever felt. Um, normal use loosely. I'm still not normal. <laughs> <laughs> no one is, no. but and that's a fun, interesting <laughs> thing that, uh, you kind of touched on you, you touched on your injury, you know, you've, you 
you had like what I call the, a life change. I got notes in front of me that's just in case you're wondering why I'm looking down. No, I saw you write something. Yeah, no, I liked what you said. You said giving up control. And I was like, oh, that's a good one. Like I need to I need to write that down quickly. I mean, going back to giving up control, like in a past life, I was a competitive uh, kickboxer. So I was a Muay Thai fighter hmm. and I always had to cut weight. So like my trainer told me to like log everything, you know, like log, like, like when you woke up, how you felt your first meal and everything like that. So I started doing that, but I got to a point where it became so obsessive. It became so like, uh, I didn't count the macros, but I counted every meal. And like, you know, the old saying is like, don't eat after 8, 8, uh, 8 PM and like training for me st- uh, stopped at 9 PM. So I didn't eat until the next day, whenever I woke up. So like if training stopped at 9 PM and I didn't have enough fuel or whatever food it was, there's, I wasn't, I didn't eat, I didn't eat until the next day I got up and like would have my break. And like, even on weigh-in days, our trainers would always say like on your, whenever your weigh-in day is, it would be like at 6 PM. If you wake up at like in the morning or whatever it is, don't eat or drink water for the entire day before you weigh in. So that was me. Like, again, going back, I, stopped training at 9 p.m the next day was weigh-in day i didn't eat before training i remember and i woke up at like 5 a.m i still remember this i woke up at 5 a.m so hungry and i woke up and i stupidly said to myself i will go for a walk and try and walk off this hunger (laughs) and i and i tried my i don't know i still remember walking it was super cold in new zealand and 6 p.m came around i weighed in made weight and the first thing I went to is I went to this fish and chip store across the street and I got uh, two fish burgers and a Coca-Cola and I just smashed it. And it was just oh, like yeah. my wife who became actually my strength and conditioning coach and who like kind of watched what I was eating and I would tell her what I was eating. Like if I was hungry, I'd pound it and sure drink. Like I'd pound those, like those disgusting drinks back. And she was like, you yeah. were so stupid. Like you should be eating like sweet potatoes. Like you should be eating this. You should be eating that. I'm like, wow. Like that is way too much for me. Even then like feeling like, Oh, that's a little weird. And fast forward to today, like where I am right now, it's hard because I still want to control that food because i was mentally still back when i was competing but uh but it's just so hard to like give that control up still to this day like i have a lot of a lot of uh hard times when i look at food and go like you know is this good like can i will this be okay for me like how can i work this off and it's like yeah get out of i think I think there are a lot, there are a lot of things like that. And especially weights, especially sports where to cut weight that, and even in CrossFit now, like we've normalized very weird behaviors around eating, right? Like we've normalized things that if you tell people you eat cut macros in the gym, not a single person even bats an eye. If I told a, any, scrap any person off the street, you told me cut macros, they don't even know what a fucking macro is. You know, like they, it's weird. Like counting everything you eat is weird. Uh, if you ask a normal person and things like cutting weight and stuff, it's a strange behavior, but in, in, in most sports, it's so normalized. It's such a normal thing. And so like, we have to be careful there. Like we can justify a lot of disordered behaviors as a person who had an eating disorder. 
I could justify a lot of, if I was to count my macros to a T, it is not a healthy behavior for me mentally. Other people can do it fine. I don't, I'm not telling you anywhere on that counts their macros is unhealthy because people can do it. I have a friend who can do it without an issue. You know, he counts his macros and it has, he's mentally totally healthy. He can stop. He can do it for, he can do it for 30 days, not do it five days. And he forgets. Like, he's like, oh shoot. Like, ah, I just forgot. I'm like, how did you forget? Like, <laughs> if I was doing it, it's all I think about. And so there are people who can and people who can't. And so people who can't can hide in this space because it's normal. Like doing those things that are disordered, eating disorders are normalized in a lot of sports. Um, and I think that's something we have to be very careful about. Even just the things that we eat, we eat like personally, I still eat a lot of bland food more the majority of my day because I don't like having spices or anything like, or high fats in me when I train. And like, that could easily be like a dis, like a disorderly thing. Like I can't just like randomly eat something random for lunch because I'm not like, I don't want to be sick when I'm training later, but like right. at the same time, that could be a disordered thing. Like if it, it gave me anxiety, something like that during the day, I could hide behind that justification. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of ways we can hide behind those justifications or how it's normalized in a gym. And I think the only way for you to know whether or not it's okay for you is to ask yourself, if I had to stop doing this for a couple of days or for a long period of time, or if I could never do this again for the rest of my life, would it give me anxiety? Does that thought give me anxiety? And you have to look introspectively, like look inside yourself and you have to ask yourself those questions because it, it's not going to appear abnormal in the CrossFit world. Like it just doesn't because it's so common um, right. and some people can do it and some people can't. It's, it's gnarly that you say that, like what's acceptable, what our wording of things is acceptable in the circle of fitness. But outside of that, it's just like you're an alien speaking you know foreign language you know um so i actually wanted to touch on your injury that you you know you you had your achilles completely torn um and going back to you know what we've been talking about the majority of the show um how was it for you to try and adapt to this new normal of having this achilles torn like you couldn't you could work out but it was very limited um but again like how did you manage how did you manage not working out to your full potential within that road to recovery? For me, it, it was, I was scared to death at first, you know, the moment it happened, um, of course my heart sank, like you hear stories of what it sounds like, what it feels like, you feel like you got shot in the back of the head or you like stepped in a hole or something. And that's exactly what it felt like. So I was like, the moment it happened, I'm like, I tore my Achilles. I know I did. Mm. And, and you know it's a long it's a long comeback like that's a big old thing in the back of your ankle like to to completely pop and um but for me it was a in my head I immediately flipped the switch of your focus is improvement now um every day in you know every day is a day where you focus on the progress that you made from the following day and so the hardest time was that 24 hours, which I got very luckily I got into surgery within 24 hours. Wow. The hardest time 
was the 24 hours leading up to surgery where I sat with an Achilles balled up in my calf and I felt like I wasn't making any progress, right? You just, you're literally sitting there and you can't do anything. Like, I guess I could have done some upper body or something, but I felt so sorry for myself at that point. <laughs> I gave myself 20, 24 hours to sulk. Okay. Don't, don't put it on me. I gave myself 24 hours to feel sorry for myself. Um, <laughs> So, but that was the hardest time was just sitting there and knowing I wasn't progressing. Um, after that, after I got surgery, it was a flip a switch of every day, you're going to do something that puts you on the road to recovery faster. And sure. Okay. The first week that was sleep. Um, but it was like, you know what, the more that you relax and the more that you let yourself repair, recover from this surgery, the better off you are. So that first, sure, the first week was like, okay, four days completely, basically just bed rest, like in bed doing whatever. And then my, I have awesome parents. When my mom came down for the, the surgery, she was there for a week, maybe a little bit more. She had to go back home. And then she, my dad, my mom were like, we can't leave you alone. Like you can't fend for yourself right now. <laughs> and it was so true. I couldn't, I, I couldn't at all. So my dad flew in and my dad was there for a week and, um, me and my dad went down to the apartment, the gym in my apartment. And he rolled my assault bike down nine, like to the elevator. We went down nine floors. He rolled the assault bike in so that I could pedal with my arms oh and my one leg. And he like worked out and we did like, we did some push-ups together and things like that. And so like, mm. you know, it was all for like a while. It was really cool. Cause it was just like, I spent time like focusing on bonding with my parents. That's like, so awesome. That was, you know, and then that was huge for me. That was really cool. It was something I hadn't gotten to do for a long time. So I, I told you about like that mindset shift of like yeah. my life, which had always been focused on either my eating disorder or the gym for two and a half weeks. It was focused on like, Hey, basically you can't do anything other than focus on getting enough rest. So pour your time and energy into something else. And yeah. My dad only works out for 30 minutes a day. So guess what? All I did was 30 minutes of something, but wow. that's probably all I needed at that point. Mm -hmm. Any more would have been taking away from the recovery of my Achilles because it just needed, my body needed all that energy to focus into, to pour into mm -hmm. bonding my Achilles back together because yeah. it was just held together by strings right now. <laughs> um, you know, and so, sorry if I made anyone queasy, but, um, <laughs> you know, and then after that, it was like, do focus on what you can do. And for a long time, that was just upper body stuff. And then after a while, it was like, okay, you can do, you know, they're allowing you to do leg. I was allowed to do leg extensions just with my, with empty, no weight. I did like 2000 in one day because it was all I could do, but I just wanted to do what I could do. So focusing on each day, what I could do. And then after a while, one week, I'd be able to do a new exercise. The next week, I'd be able to do a new exercise. And focusing on those small wins the whole time, mm -hmm. was, that's how I got through it. That's, I, don't know, I don't know what else I would have done. I would have gone yeah. crazy. But yeah. you actually, I'm going to say something really weird. But <laughs> I almost got addicted to like that feeling. Because I had done CrossFit at that point for like six or seven, how long, eight years. Mm -hmm. And after a while, you start plateauing. When I tore my Achilles, like 
I was again starting from ground zero. And so I was starting to make gains really quickly. And it was like that time where you start CrossFit. It's like, whoa, yesterday I couldn't do a pull-up and today I can do a muscle-up. Like, you, <laughs> you know, you, you get stuff, that's an exaggeration, obviously, but you get yep. stuff really quickly when you start. You like mm. PR all the time. I had completely stopped PRing. So like, after, like I kind of was like, whoa, I'm like starting to actually accomplish things every day. And you like, if you really actually mentally, if you focus on that stuff, it's really exhilarating. And it was actually really cool. Mm. Um, I love how you worded it too, like those small wins. Because those small wins, like overall, it matters to the bigger picture. So yeah. the, the fact that you had the the moment and the, I guess, the opportunity and the space to like really celebrate those small wins, like really, really shows on like, you know, how you kind of managed mentally overall, like throughout that entire year or where whatever your recovery period looked like, you know, I think it, that's, that's, that's an awesome mindset, mind space to be in. Um, yeah, yeah. But again, like moving to 2021, you had another injury, you tore <laughs> your UCL. And <laughs> yeah, there that one you can see. Yeah. So again, after just not overcoming, but just having this in 2020 uh in 2020 having this injury to your achilles and now moving into 2021 you had another injury what was it like your mindset going from another injury to another injury like having this achilles really did i really just tear my ucl did this really just happened i just got over this bloody achilles of mine like yeah. what was your yeah. what, what did that look like for you <laughs> <laughs> well it was a really exciting moment that day that morning I was like feeling real good. And I had basically matched my previous lifetime PRs on almost everything. Like my back squat, I finally came back up to matching my lifetime PR. Um, my queen and jerk was like really freaking close, like within five pounds or something like that. The snatch was the last thing to come back. I was attempting 180, 185, which was like two pounds below my lifetime PR. Like count it, right? Yeah. Sure. I'm like, I hit 180 feels great. I'm like, oh, awesome. We're going to go for 185. Like it was like a, a flawless 180. And I'm like, finally, the last thing to match PRs, like from my coming back, from my comeback. Sure enough, land the snatch and I'm standing up and something popped. And I just knew in my head, it didn't feel right. Like, mm. you know, you know, when something's like it hurt versus when something like yeah, that hurt, but it yeah. also was not good. Didn't feel right. <laughs> that one didn't feel right. Yeah. <laughs> that was the number two. Um, and I, at that point, it was just a huge, my heart sunk. You know, mm -hmm. I was feeling really mentally, like I told you, like I had felt mentally more balanced and more healthy than ever before. And I was really super excited to approach a season like that. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a huge letdown. It was like, man, like maybe this is it for me. Um, you know, I, maybe once I had one injury, things are to start, you know, these, the, the thoughts go through your head, like maybe I took so much time off that things got weak and my tendons are weak now, or my ligaments or my joints just can't keep up anymore because I took too much time off and I didn't build up and it's going to continue to happen. Like these thoughts going through my head, like crazy right away. Um, and luckily enough, I, um, had gotten together with a surgeon who was willing to try a very unique surgery. And he said, we can either just repair your UCL and it'll be like a six month recovery, or we can give you an augmented repair, which 
potentially you can compete in the open in six weeks. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, what? So like, this was this huge, like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Moment. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, don't get too excited because I can't guarantee it'll work, but we can try. And the worst wow. case scenario is like in two weeks, we're back at square one again. And then we have the six month recovery. So you're two weeks behind. Mm-hmm. Like really there isn't a huge risk. So I was like, all right, let's go for it. And so like that gave me hope again, like just, I, I don't know what would have happened if it had been a six month recovery. Like I want to, I want to tell everyone that like, I would have been so positive and been like, yeah, I'll get through this. I probably would have, um, mm-hmm. but, but I can't say that I would have been able to keep those thoughts as well at bay. Like, yeah, again, it was that same, like, get on the road to recovery as fast as possible. So um, went in and got the surgery as soon as I could. And I was like, all right, every day is a win. Mm-hmm. Um, that surgery was actually a lot harder to recover from. It was like, I was under for like over two hours. My Achilles was only under for 20 minutes. So Whoa. like, yeah, I got done with this elbow surgery. And for two weeks, I was like feeling the anesthesia. I was sleeping all the time. I was really out of it for a long time after that surgery. Um, so the, the first two weeks were rough. Um, yeah. And like, to be honest, I was immobile with my Achilles for two weeks at least, or for a very, actually way more than that, like way longer than that. I was in a cast for two weeks and then in a boot for like three months. Like I didn't really notice much of my Achilles. This for this, like they took me out of my splint in three days and they're like, go for it. So like, I totally noticed, I felt so vulnerable and I noticed every single thing. I'm like, I noticed everything I couldn't do. Um, so it was, but I guess I just, you know, I started randomly, I, I would pull the skier, get like 16, like minutes per 500 and stuff just because I did anything that I could do um and again like every day was like okay 16 now I'm pulling a 14 minute per 500 like you know it just we get better and better and um you know it again it was just all about focusing focusing on those positives but I don't know what I'd be able I don't know if I could tell you the same thing if it was like a long recovery for that that would have been oh god yeah well even for that like you know you having this this injury after just coming from the Achilles and I know that Dr. Meeks was your your doctor mm-hmm. at UT Health but and I just I was reading a little bit about uh about Dr. Meeks saying that he played uh he played uh can't remember what the sport was but he played in college and so yeah he, he, played, knew... he played college football he is awesome yeah so he I've knew the importance Dr. Meeks of, yeah for like a lot of my injuries and I it's really cool because he played college sports and he like gets our mentality he was the one I was like I had called him up and like I think I'm out and he was like no we're gonna try this like I know you want to try it and I he he knew that I would put he's like I wouldn't do this for everyone but I know like you will you're dedicated to your craft so you were you're gonna do all of your recovery and you're gonna do way more than you should do (laughs) so he's like I don't doubt that you're capable of following this protocol for recovery and you're going to give yourself a chance. So if you want to do it, do it. Um, Which is an awesome, like to have someone give you that opportunity was so cool. And to have the faith in you that, that you, I don't think most doctors understand the mentality of an athlete necessarily, but he gets both because he's on both sides. And he's like, 
we're going to go for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, that was the one thing that I read about it. It's like, you know, having an injury, but then going to a, to, to a doctor compared to a sports doctor is like two, so two different things. Right. And then I was reading, yeah. it, I was like, Oh, this, this doctor gets it. Like this stuff, I was reading it. I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, this, he's, he's one of the good ones. He can get you back <laughs> in the, the road to recovery. He gets the importance of what yes. this is to you yeah like not only yeah. just the sport itself but what recovery means to you as an athlete and it was really mm-hmm. cool to read all of that you know and uh so as we start winding down here start going to the end of the show 2022 uh is this the year we're in <laughs> did i just say a random number who knows um i actually wrote i think i wrote 08 on a when I was signing something, I put the year and it was like I wrote an O and I was like, oh my gosh, we are way past the O's. <laughs> We're way past those O's, man. Real <laughs> sometimes like I get like that. I forget, I forget years. Sometimes I don't even I can't remember how old I am. Like I have to ask my wife. I'm like, my birthday is coming up pretty soon. I'm like, babe, how how what am what's my age? Like what's it's my that, that blink wet age too. So yeah, like, what's my age again? That's what I, I don't even know. I'm like, I don't know how old I am. But anyway, as we're winding down 2022. So an interesting introspective question that I always kind of like go back on myself, like a you know, is what would how would 10-year-old Dion feel? like knowing what I'm doing now. So like, I'm a big, I'm a big professional wrestling fan. I, col- I collect action figures. I have a big card trading card collector and like would 10 year old Dion be proud of like what I'm doing right now. Never thought I'd leave New Zealand. Never thought I'd leave my little small town that's surrounded by sheep living in America with a, a beautiful wife and an amazing son. And so what would 10 year old Dion think? So the question that I have for you, as we close up this this uh, conversation, lecture, as we close up this lecture, um, <laughs> what would, uh, what would 10 year, what would you say to your 10 year old self? And would your 10 year old self be proud of what you're doing now? Oh my gosh. I don't think my 10 year old self thought enough about like who I was. Um, I was a really weird kid. I never, like, I didn't really fit into a friend group, but I didn't know I didn't fit into a friend group. I was a person who just like showed up and like everyone would be like, hey, I gotta go. I gotta go to class. And I'm like, that's weird. We still got five minutes, guys. I guess, I guess I got stuff to do. And like never <laughs> once when I was, was I like, oh, they're going like it never occurred to me. I just I was so like, I was pretty content with myself, but I didn't realize how content I was with myself. Um, and then I think at one point in college, it like really hit me. Like, oh, like you haven't, you know, you do these things and like, you're, you're so cool with just being you. And then at one point I got a little bit self-conscious about that. Um, I wish I would have been a little more introspective, but you know, it's easy, hard to tell that to a 10 year old. Uh, But, but no, even so like going through high school and things like that. um, And I think maybe that would have helped me and not be, not go through the things that I went through necessarily, um, just being okay with who I am and, you know, realizing that I like this structure. I had this, this idea that I needed to get away from exercise because I wanted to be normal and I wanted to like have balance in my life. That's not me. I don't do balance. 
but like knowing that I need, I needed to learn at some point that it's okay that I don't do balance. I just need to focus those things in a very healthy way, in a very different way and not try to get this like balance. Cause I don't, that's going to lead me into this like disaster zone. Um, but, but yeah, I think, I mean, heck my parents love, like, they think it's the coolest thing. I'm 31 years old and they're like, I get to go watch you compete in a sports event. Like what the heck? They never thought, you know, they thought those times were over when I was out of high school and stuff. And like, they get that they think it's the coolest thing ever. So I would like, I think like, if I, if I was like a kid, like looking up to like, be like, Oh, I'm like 31 still out there. Like I have a blast when I'm out on that floor. Like it is so much fun. It's a, such a unique experience that most people don't get to most. I'm so, so, so lucky to be able to be out there. And um, yeah, I work for it, but at the same time, like there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, you know, genetic component that, you know, I, I get to be out there and it's so cool. Um, I was in the right place at the right time, focused my efforts in the right places. So, so yeah, I think, I think, yeah, the 10 year old me would totally be a fan. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Like, <laughs> it's, it's a little strange of a question to ask, you know what I mean? Because it's you're asking like, you know, what you were as a kid, like what you were when you were 10 years old, because I still remember what I was like when I was 10 years old, you know, just you know, in school, nerdy, definitely this fat Samoan dude that just you know wanted there was a big pro wrestling fan you know but uh (laughs) but like I played rugby as well you know but (laughs) I was like a big big rugby player but like I wouldn't hang out with the the jocks I would hang out with the nerdy kids would talk about like would talk about video games or like the new fun movies that were coming out and I always got along with it was just going back to what you were saying like you didn't know what crowd to fit in like I knew I loved rugby, but I never fit in with the rugby players. I always fit in with like those nerdy kids, but you, as a rugby player, you weren't like meant to fit in with those kids. It was just yeah, really yeah. strange to try and find yourself in those crowds. Yeah. But like, you know, where you are, where you are specifically now, I think you have like this huge following and in, like inside and outside of CrossFit and you're such a, 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 a you wave the banner of like, you know of hope and, and positivity within like this this whole realm of eating disorders like you you are like this true leader and like for me I started CrossFit in 2013 fell off for a long time but like I still remember seeing you uh as an athlete here in America this new New Zealand kid that just moved to the states and uh have been following your journey ever since and like to see where you are now and having this conversation with with you it truly does mean the entire world to me that you said yes that you wanted to come on to this and have a conversation with me so alexis thank you so much for being on the I show i appreciate that so much that are, those are the kindest words and and that's honestly if i can be remembered like if i if i make an impact on one person in in that realm that means so much more to me than anything else and any success i'll have in crossfit it's I want to be the person that gives hope to someone that helps someone get over something that they're struggling with. Um, I think, I think that's CrossFit can help in so many ways in that sense. Um, and I, I want to be, I want to make that difference rather than be success in, in my athletic endeavors. You know, that's, that's cool. But, but, but the making an impact on someone is so just so much bigger.
Thank That's you. That's it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Alexis. I appreciate you again. Thank you. And that is the show. Thank you so much, Alexis Johnson, for coming on and sharing her stories with us, uh, her experiences with us. We greatly appreciate it. Um, it means a lot when people come onto the show and, and share those types of experiences. It's uh, you know puts uh, puts our guests in a lot of uh, in a big vulnerable vulnerable position. So. Uh, truly means the world to us and if you enjoyed that episode please let us know rate review and subscribe to this podcast on spotify apple Podcasts, and all of the other major podcast providers out there uh next week on the show we have aew star uh and good friend of mine ricky starks coming on to the show spoiler alert i cry <laughs> i cried on that episode i'm not gonna lie uh and We'll find out why as you listen to the show. But yes, Ricky Starks is going to be on the show. I'm super excited about this one. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good time. <laughs> but before we go, if you're a, if you need Fed Energy, quickly, uh, don't forget we've got Fed Energy in all participating locations of Vitamin Shop. Head on over to Vitamin Shop, get yourself a Fed Energy. And if you're a member of Gold's Gym. Uh, we've got Fit Energy in those gyms as well. So yeah, we've got cold cans popping up everywhere. So until then, next week on the show, Ricky Starks, make sure you subscribe to the show. Until then, I'm out of here.